Hello and welcome to the FD Advisor podcast. The Bank of England is mandated to target a 2% increase in inflation, but since May this year, the rate has sat above that target and in August it hit 3.2%, the largest increase ever recorded. The bank is now predicting that inflation will go above 4% later this year, potentially reaching its highest level in a decade. But despite this, the central bank believes this rate increase is transitory and has so far ruled out bringing forward a rise in interest rates, which is the bank's main tool for controlling inflation. So will inflation keep rising and how does all of this affect financial planning? I'm Sally Hickey, a senior reporter, and with us this week are Michael Copeland, a senior area manager at Wesleyan, and Lawrence Cook, head of UK intermediary distribution at Sunlam. Thank you both for joining us. So first of all, Lawrence, are you able to give us a bit of context as to why inflation is rising? Yes, thank you, Sally. Um, well, I think if you look across the globe, the fundamentals of life um, are showing increase in prices. So whether you look at energy prices, food, shelter, and in the UK, used cars in particular, um, have shown uh, significant increases, and there's no escape from that. Of course, we've got the um, increase in the energy price cap coming too. So um Whilst we might not see a significant jump in September prices, we will probably see a further jump in October. So those fundamentals plus a supply side squeeze um, means that we can look forward, if that's the right word, to um, the predictions of inflation probably being correct. So what are your thoughts on the sort of six month uh, outlook for inflation? Well, I think prediction has made a fool of a lot of people we didn't expect, did we, to have lowish unemployment, fast growth. Um, we probably expected to have the opposite. Um, so predicting what the inflation rate will be next year is is tough. But um, the BOE has said they think it might uh, peak at 4%. And our investment um, chief investment officer feels that that's probably within a sensible range of probabilities. Um, the difficulty comes, of course, is even if that is correct, asset prices may react somewhat more violently than uh, than we've seen in the past. So um, that can have an impact on clients' wealth and portfolios, of course. Yeah. And that brings me um, very well onto my next question, which is from Michael, which is what impact has this rise in inflation already had on investment portfolios? It's interesting because it, it, it kind of it, it imposes almost kind of a stealth threat to investors because it chips away at, at, at real savings and investment returns. And most people who invest uh, tend to, to aim to increase their uh, kind of the long-term purchasing power, by which, of course, then they have to, they have to beat inflation. And inflation puts that goal at risk. Um, obviously, you know, if you want to keep the real purchasing power, for example, you know, an investment that returns 2% before inflation, you know, if inflation is running at 4 then inflation has actually therefore given a negative return of, of, of minus 2%. So it, it, it already is having an impact on clients' portfolios. Sure. And did this take advisors by surprise? I mean, were they, were they ready for this rise or have you seen um, a sort of rush towards uh, inflation-proofing clients' portfolios? 
I think that depends on the investor, if I'm being honest. We, you, I have a saying that it's all about time in the market, not timing the market. And I think some people have been caught out, as, as Lawrence said, you know, we've had this kind of post-pandemic surge in, in certain areas, uh, petrol prices, oil, and some really really left field things like furniture uh, the cost of furniture has gone up considerably vet bills have gone up considerably so some of these things are things that we can't avoid so uh, for me it's about time in the market not time in the market but you have we have seen this kind of some people have tried to react to the market and have tried to to adjust their portfolio to to try and hedge the effect that inflation does have on their portfolios and can that then um, go wrong? Can you time the market? Can you sort of try and catch the falling knife and miss and then have sort of hedged your portfolio incorrectly? Or is it just a case that you've uh, sort of made your portfolio slightly safer than perhaps you had to? Or is it that there's absolutely no time to do anything at the right time and it's all it's all dependent on uh, the, the, the client's needs? Yeah, it's all about the client's needs and it's all about their longer term objectives. And for me, to, to try and, and, and to try and correct to chase the market will have a negative effect on your portfolio. And sometimes you just have to ride these things out and let the markets almost just, you know, when, when the pandemic hit, we saw the stock market fall from a high of around seven, eight, uh, seven, 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 eight, down to about four, eight. So, but now, you know, 18 months later, we, you know, we're back up to a little over 7,000. So, sometimes you know you can make little tweaks and little adjustments and you know you can keep your eye on things like guilt returns and fixed rate bond returns and stuff but for me sometimes you you know you can make minor adjustments but if we look at what's gone on in america you know you could try and chase that market but who would have seen that growth 18 months ago so you just need to be quite careful really or as you in your words you would catch a falling knife sure and lawrence how would you advise advisors to um, inflation-proof their client portfolios? Are there any sort of easy wins that they can uh, advise or is there anything that they definitely shouldn't be holding given that inflation is probably going to rise in the next few months again? Well, probably uh, be wary of any knee-jerk responses. I, I think, and, and to that extent, I agree with much of what Michael has said. Um, I think there are some tactical decisions that can be made particularly for advisors where they have clients with likely to be a fairly shortish term demand on capital um, so if you th think you might have a client that originally were a long-term investor but they're perhaps within five years of wanting to crystallize some of their investments you may want to take a view on some of that uh, particularly if you're coming up to retirement whether to actually start um crystallizing some of those assets, maybe putting some aside in, in cash. I know that's what a lot of good financial planners do because the accumulation and the strategy doesn't start on the day you retire. It starts really with the planning leading up to that. So advisors that have a lot of traditional uh, government bonds may want to just think about some of the simple mathematics behind um, gilt prices. I mean, the uh, US base rate is at 25 basis points right now. So if it were to increase to 1.25%, a 10-year treasury would lose them roughly 10% in capital. So a 10% fall in capital is rather significant in, in terms of fixed interest for that 
but supposedly an asset class that's dampening down uh, volatility. Um, so there's some. I think a lot of advisors have looked to investment managers to um, provide some sort of hedge against that by uh, reducing duration, and I think that's been important. And on the equity side, if advisors have been chasing um, a growth-orientated strategy for investment, they might want to have a think about that because a lot of the um, price in a growth stock is the discounted future earnings in a company because they're low divvy payers. And inflation, high infl- any inflation will discount the future earnings. So that's likely to have a pretty negative impact on, on growth stocks. So if you followed a particular investment style, um, then perhaps that's something to be um, a little bit wary of. And do you think we'll see a shift to value as a result of of that decreasing kind of power of um, cash? Well, at Sandland, we've been thinking so for a while, and it's uh, we've possibly been slightly uh, ahead of the curve, uh, but we're not planning on making any uh, knee-jerk reactions because maybe we're a bit too early. I think... Uh, if you're taking a long-term focus on achieving client objectives, um, then that's the most most important thing. I think if uh, most financial planners, and I stress the word planners, not advisors, are focusing on achieving client objectives, not trying to actually make predictions of global macroeconomics, then they will focus on um, those broad objectives of achieving what a client wants, not trying to uh, second-guess where the market's going to be. Uh, but listen, there's been there were plenty of managers who called uh, time on uh, government bonds s- several years ago, and and that's a massive bet in itself. So deciding to um, dispense with a key asset class is a major decision and one that advisors should uh, think very very carefully about doing. Sure, Michael, would you add anything to that on on where investors should and shouldn't be um, be looking at at the moment? Um, I absolutely agree with Lawrence. I think the absolutely key for me is the number one priority has to be the client's objectives. And then you model their portfolio around around their objectives. Um, so for me, that's absolutely where it needs to be. Um, and certainly at Wesleyan, you, you know, absolutely fundamental is what's the client's objectives and then how do we model the portfolio around that, which, as Lawrence said, will include an element of, of perhaps cash um, to ensure that the, that the short-term goals can be met. And, and yes, we understand, you know, cash versus inflation, there's a risk in itself there. But that's the fundamental thing. I think that, that all advisors uh, and all planners need to have right at the very top of their list really is, does my client's portfolio reflect their objectives? And if not, how do I need to, to, to make sure that those two are aligned? And I can imagine that, communicating with clients why you're doing certain things is also really important and Michael I'm wondering whether you know thinking of the past 18 months and and thinking of the emotional roller coaster that everyone's been on with now this rise in inflation that has perhaps been slightly whipped up by the media I can imagine that's a big part of of um, what it, what is taking up advisors time and in, in communicating to clients this is why we're doing this um, because of course money is such an emotional thing is that something that you've seen? Absolutely. Um, And, you know, Martin Lawrence, who's our director of investments, 
constantly reminds you know all of the financial advisors and financial planners at Wesleyan that that we're we're all about investing in for the long term in the market. We don't tend to we tend to buy and hold stocks because we look at the longer term growth strategy. And I think what's important then is that we communicate that message to our clients and we almost reassure them and calm them down to kind of go look we've got this you know we're actively looking at your portfolios we're actively managing your funds as long as we know what your objectives are we don't you know we don't need to knee jerk against this we're very much looking at the long-term strategy in here and giving you you know long-term sustainable growth and sometimes it's just about talking to your clients and letting them know what's going on and and giving them exposure to people like Martin and then being able to have exposure and access to some of the fund managers just so that we can just allay their fear sometimes, I think is really, really important. I think fundamentally is, is the way that you communicate with your clients is absolutely vital because, as you said, some will get quite nervous and it's just about reassuring them and calming them down, um, You know, listening to their concerns, addressing their concerns and just making sure that they know that you understand what they're trying to achieve and and that you're there right alongside them. So I think that's absolutely vital. Lawrence, is there anything you'd add on that point? Uh, well, yes, I've perhaps taken a slightly different direction because uh, I, I would agree with what Michael said. Um, I think advisors need, uh, can think about uh, the business model that they have. Many are now financial planners, but were financial advisors. So they've gone through a transition of being perhaps measured by how well um, in, investments did in a client's portfolio to now whether actually I'm looking after my financial uh, planning objectives. Some have not yet made that journey. And for those that are still thinking about how you move from being judged on whether um, your investment has returned X percent above a benchmark or not, then I think... Um, lesson over the last year or so is that you know those advisors and i've spoken to many over the last year that have delivered huge value to to their clients by holding their hand metaphorically i guess um because it's all been over zoom um last year to say it's 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 probably going to be okay don't sell your objectives are likely to be um fine and the value that uh, advisors and planners have delivered to their clients has been huge during that period, huge. Um, and we shouldn't forget that. Um, but I would just urge uh, advisors that if they are still, if they still think their clients perceive that they're paying their advisor fee for investment returns, um, then to use this period to reflect upon whether that's really the business model you want in the future. Yeah. And you mentioned a lesson there for advi- for advisors and investors. Are there any other lessons that you think this environment can can give to people or, or you know, this inflation coming out of nowhere almost? Is there anything else you think we can learn from it? Yes, I think so, because I, I think for many of my colleagues who have probably been that were born after 1990 odd, uh, probably think low inflation and interest rates have always been like this. And of course, they haven't. Um, and I, I suspect Michael and I are both old enough to remember uh, interest rates and inflation of significantly higher value. And it is a useful reminder not to take it for granted um, that um, I was just looking at a Schroeder study actually before we came on this call. And a, a, a thousand pounds in 95, 20 years later in global equities adjusted for inflation is two thousand six hundred and eight pounds. An average of uh, savings accounts would be eight hundred and fifty nine pounds. Um, 
So let's not forget that. And that was over a period of relatively benign um, inflation. Um, and if we get back to anything like uh, the normal inflation that Michael and I may, maybe have experienced in most of our lives, uh, then uh, we need to be very mindful of making sure we uh, try and protect clients' long-term interests. Um, and that means ensuring that we overcome the devil of inflation. Michael, is there anything you'd add to that? Any other lessons that well, you will... I'm just smiling quite rarely because I do remember the day that mortgage interest rates jumped up to pretty much 15% and thinking, cracky, that's quite a lot. Um, but but it very much goes back to the point I was making early, Sally, really. And it backs up Lawrence's point perfectly. For me, it's time in the market. You know, that pound you put away or that £100 you put away, you know, back in the 90s is now worth so much more if you've just taken the time to ride the ups and downs of the market and just held your nerve. And I think, you know, as long as people, as long as our clients have got a really good understanding of, of, of kind of their, their appetite for, for, for loss and, and what their attitude to risk is, then, you know, very much just allow it to play out stay calm listen to your financial advisors um as i said wesleyan very much adopt a a buy and hold strategy very much long-term sustainable growth rather than try and chase the market and chase any dips um so that's key for me great and it's interesting i can imagine that the wealth of experience that both of you have it would be so helpful because having seen previous market you know, cycles and and shocks and scares, the first one is most likely always the worst. And after you've seen two or three, you start to think, well, yes, this is not great. But through history, it's all, everything always writes itself and it's never as big as a catastrophe as it feels like. So just to have that strength of character to say, don't sell everything on the worst day because, you know, you'll then crystallise those returns and that's, you'll crystallise your losses and that, but that's what your um, sort of inherent choice would be. But I can imagine after a couple of market cycles, you then go, actually, you have to go exactly against your initial thoughts and you have to hold and, and just ride it out. Yeah. It's, it's, sorry, Lawrence, I was going to say it's almost counterintuitive, isn't it? But that that's absolutely right. A loss is only ever a loss if you crystallise it. So as long as you don't crystallise that loss, then history has shown that, that the market will always write itself. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think in practice, um, I would encourage uh, financial planners to um, focus on using uh, stochastic uh, probability-based cash flow tools rather than deterministic, uh, because what these probability-based tools do is help the advisor educate and demonstrate to the clients um, the probability of particular outcomes rather than saying, in absolute terms, this will happen or that will happen. And it helps to educate and bring the client in inside the financial plan and take responsibility for their their decisions too. So the more advisors can do that and show historic uh, trends in investment and inflation, the better they will prepare their clients for uh, future shocks in the market. Mm. And I guess that also gives clients a sense of more control. I guess the worst thing is a client seeing the market's be really jittery and thinking they've completely lost control whereas the more you know about it mm. I can imagine the more it will relax them and that they've this is a choice that they've made it's not something that's happening to them yeah that's right and I think it's been quite quoted for about 20 years that the average age of a financial advisor is 55 I don't, I don't know why it's sticking at 55 you'd thought it might get older but uh, it means therefore that um, many financial advisors have 
quite a lot of experience and have been through several such cycles. And I think the uh, the value in helping clients uh, not to make rash decisions is uh, not to be underestimated. That's for sure. And Lawrence, if this uh, period of inflation does indeed turn out to be transitory, does that mean that advisors should adopt a different approach than if it was likely to last? Or will that, is it the same approach to each situation? I think very much the latter. It's, it's, the, it's the same approach, uh, trying to uh, uh, guess, in effect, guess the market and guess macroeconomics has always proven uh, to be quite a high risk strategy. Uh, you might get it right. And then the worst thing that can possibly happen then is that you think you're smart um, and then you try and predict it again. It's a bit like the, the chap who to- uh, flips a coin 10 times and happens to guess it right, thinks he's actually uh, got a good strategy. He's, he was just lucky. Um, so let's not try be lucky fools. Let's try and be sensible planners. Sure. Would you, you're nodding, Michael. Do you? Is that something you'd agree with? I absolutely agree. I, I couldn't agree more, to be fair. I think, you know, if, if we try and guess the market, if we, if we try and time the market, if we do try to be clever, that's usually when it when it comes and bites us on the backside. And for me, um, should should we adopt a different approach? No, because history has shown that the market will correct itself. You will over the longer term outstrip inflation. You'll get above inflationary growth. You'll get good returns. Um, so there's no need to change the approach, Sally. Sure. And I guess the ultimate issue with inflation is it even if it hits 0.5% next month, you know, you're still the, the purchasing power has still decreased and that won't change. Absolutely. Yeah, that will never change. So, um, so you know, if, if we've got an approach worked and has worked to give us uh, growth that's better than inflation, why change? Ah, well, that's a great note to end on. Uh, we're sadly running out of time, but Michael and Lawrence, thank you very much for joining us and for your comments. And thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work.